Good evening or good afternoon to you, whichever is right for you, wherever you are and whenever you are. Welcome to this episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. I want to welcome my friends and loved ones, all listeners from all over the world. On your radio, you're listening to us on WGPL, WPCE, and WBXBAM here in Southern Virginia and Northeastern North Carolina. You can also hear us on the internet at www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com. If you would like to hear this or any other broadcast from Marriage and Family Clinic, you can find my podcast by searching iTunes or any other podcast player on your smart device. Just search C.D. Hodges. Search C.D. Hodges and you'll find Marriage and Family Clinic. Marriage and Family Clinic is here to help you break down and gain enlightenment into your relationship dynamics. We hope to help you identify what makes you tick and ultimately help you repair, grow, and perfect your marriage and family relationships. We're continuing in the series on finances, and nope, nope, we haven't left yet. So just sit back, relax, and like we used to say on Greyhound, leave the driving to us. And uh, I want you just to take in some really good, solid teaching on personal finances. And in this day and time, I know any teaching we can get on finances is going to be worthwhile and valuable, and I certainly, surely hope that when you're done listening to this program, you can say that you are truly benefited by what you received and that you will come and listen to us again. I want to encourage you today, as I already have, to not put your hope and your faith in money. We're talking about finances, but I don't want you to think that you can put your hope and faith in money. Money is extremely valuable and we really can't do without it, but I would rather have God's favor acting in my life than any amount of money. And when I refer to God's favor, I'm not talking about some kind of spiritual or religious formula that you can invoke. And so many so-called teachers of the word of God have been, uh, they've been no more than snake oil salesmen peddling rhymes and good sounding sayings that don't work for anybody but them. And uh, so never think that God's favor means God owes you something or you got it in so good with God that he's just going to drop stuff out of heaven into your lap. He's not just going to drop stuff out of heaven into your lap. That's not what I mean by favor. When I refer to God's favor, I'm talking about God showing up in our lives in unexpected, unexplained and definitely undeserved ways, and doing things for us, and even giving things to us that defy all logic. You can't come up with a good reason for receiving it from God, no matter how hard you try. And when we walk in God's favor, we can't tie any of our good works or our efforts to what God is doing for us. Let me say that again, because people are teaching us that you can do things and earn God's favor. You can do things and earn blessings. No, 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 no. If it's a favor, the very meaning of favor is all about you not deserving what you receive. So when we walk in God's favor, we cannot tie any of our good works to the blessings of God in our lives. God's favor can open doors that no amount of money can open. And when the money runs out, God's favor will show up and make you and everyone else marvel at the wonders that he works. 
So learn to handle your finances, practice biblical wisdom in your finances, help others with your finances, store up finances for a rainy day, do all those things and do even more, but just don't put your faith in your finances. Now, I ended last week by telling you that the Bible has a tremendous amount of wisdom to impart to us in the area of finances and money. And the Bible offers so much of that wisdom, as a matter of fact, that I could go on teaching on finances and money for the rest of the year and not exhaust the biblical content on the subject. However, time just won't allow it. We have to get to other matters dealing with our uh, relationship dynamics. So what I've done here, uh, can't do it all, but what I've done here is uh, compile a small collection of values and principles and presented them to you in the form of what I call wisdom keys, financial wisdom keys from the Bible. And thus far, we've gone over 11 of these wisdom keys. And before we move on to the next area of finances, I want to share just two more. There are a whole lot we could do, but I want to share just two more wisdom keys with you. All right. So here we go. Wisdom key number 12. I said we've done 11 already. Wisdom key number 12. Be confident in God's knowledge. Be confident in God's knowledge. Not your know-how, not some algorithm that can figure out the stock market, but be confident in God's knowledge. Matthew 6 and 8, Jesus says, your father that's your heavenly father, who's God, your father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. And the Message Bible just breaks it down, Barney style, and says this right here. This is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better than you know what you need. He knows better than you what you need. So Jesus himself promises that God knows your needs. He knows your needs better than you know your needs. And half the time, we can't even tell the difference between a need and a want. But God always knows. And I mention this for a reason. The reason I'm mentioning this, talking about the knowledge of God, is uh, because I want to relieve somebody of the stress of trying to perform well enough to get your prayers answered or trying to pray the perfect prayer in order to be blessed by God. I want to relieve you of the stress of, of thinking that you have to be so specific in your prayers in order to get God to bless you. You have to be so specific in your prayer or else God will not bless you. I've literally heard people tell people in church during their ministry, don't just pray for a car, pray for the type of car, pray for the color of car, pray for this, pray for that. Listen, God knows what you need way before you ask him. The specificity of your prayer is not what moves God. Your faith in him is what moves God. And when God moves, he moves because he wants to and because he loves you. And when he moves on your behalf, he's going to move just right according to his divine uh, uh, wisdom and not the specificity of your prayers. So quit stressing over trying to perform in order to impress God. It doesn't work like that. Your performance does not impress God. All right? Now, that's not some caveat. That's not a caveat to go and live and do any old thing you want to and live any old kind of way that you want to. 
and then still think that you will have an effective prayer life. No, uh -uh. that is not what we're saying at all. I dare not leave you thinking that you don't have to live a righteous life. I dare not leave you thinking that you don't have to engage in sanctified living. I know that's a scary word to some folks, but the Bible makes it plainly. There's such a thing as sanctified living. And living righteously and striving to be right with God in all we do, in all you live and all you do, that helps to increase your faith. It helps to defeat doubt and it helps you to walk in harmony and communion with God. And that's where faithful prayer comes from. Increasing faith, defeating doubt, walking in harmony and communion with God. That guarantees answered prayer. But the bottom line here is God knows what you need better than you know. God knows what you need better than you know. So wisdom key number 12, be confident in God's knowledge. Trust that God knows when you're doing all that you know to do, when you're doing all that you're responsible to do, when you're faithful in doing what you need to do, consistent in doing what you need to do, and then something like COVID-19 pandemic comes about and throws things all out of kilt. You can relax, you can rest easy, because you know that God knows what you need better than you know what you need. And because you're his child and because he's your father, he's going to come see about you. Man, that is one of the that is one of my favorite things, my most favorite things to say when I'm ministering the word. Your heavenly father knows what you need and he will come to see about you. And again, I'm stressing this because I want to relieve you of the stress of trying to perform just right, to please God well enough that he'll come see about you. But again, don't think I'm giving you some caveat to live a raggedy life. If you live a raggedy life, you have a raggedy faith, you cannot expect your prayers to be answered. But living a life of righteousness, trying to be right with God in all you live and all you do, it helps to increase your faith, defeat doubt, and helps you to walk in harmony and communion with God. And that guarantees answered prayer. Again, that's wisdom key number 12. Be confident in God's knowledge. I like that. I like that. Wisdom key number 13. This is critical. This is crucial. Listen closely. Pull your chair up close here. Wisdom key number 13. Be a giver. <laughs> you got to get delivered from the stingy spirit. Be a giver. You got to get delivered from the greedy spirit. Be a giver. If you want God active in your finances, be a giver. That's wisdom key number 13. Be a giver. I want to encourage you, challenge you, and light a fire under you when I tell you that if you have any expectation at all that God will bless your finances, if you have any unction whatsoever that you want God to get involved in your finances, if you have the tiniest inkling of a desire for God to get involved in your finances, then you must decide that God giving will play a huge role. 
Giving will play a most significant role in God moving in your finances. Your personal finances, your personal financial plan, whatever that may be, it must be structured to include a systematic giving plan. You must be a giver. You must be a giver. Real conversion in your soul results in you giving. Real knowledge of God, real relationship with God results in you giving. Wisdom key number 13, you must be a giver. In Acts 20, the Apostle Paul was preparing to leave some of his disciples and he gave them some instructions before he left. Paul told his disciples to support the weak, give, and remember that Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Believe it or not, you're happier and you're more fulfilled when you give rather than when you're receiving. You're happier, you're more fulfilled when you're giving rather than when you are receiving. You're in a more prosperous place when you give rather than when you receive. You're better off when you're giving than when you're receiving. And the reason greedy people keep hoarding and keep collecting and keep getting and going after more stuff is because they don't know the fulfillment of giving to somebody else. They don't know the fulfillment of giving and blessing and helping build someone else up. You're being more prosperous when you're giving than when you're receiving. You and I cannot expect God to be involved in our finances if we are greedy. Greed somehow burns a hole in your pocket. Have you ever wondered where your money went? You started off the day with a certain amount of money at the end of the day. Where did all that money go? I'm telling you something. Greed has a way of burning holes in your pocket. The Bible and my personal evidence is full of examples in which greedy people lost all. They lost everything. They gave up everything because of greed. Greed caused Esau to give up his birthright and he lost all. Greed caused Ananias and Sapphira to lie about money and they lost all, including their lives. The spirit of the living God struck them dead in the midst of the congregation. The rich young ruler in Mark 10, Jesus told the story about the rich young ruler. He just couldn't seem to give up his riches and he lost out on eternal life. Greed bankrupts you spiritually, morally, and financially. I want you to grab a hold of this here. Listen carefully. Write it down. Mark it down. Greed bankrupts you spiritually, morally, and even financially. Greed will cause you to lose everything. Proverbs 11 and 24 says, Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. <laughs> Giving initiates a rotating cycle in which something always comes around to you. Giving initiates its merry-go-round effect in your life where you put something on the wheel, it goes around and it comes back to you. But being greedy and stingy stops the cycle and causes money to go on a one-way trip away from you. Giving freely, good giving, 
Cheerful giving. You put something on the wheel, the wheel goes around and comes back to you. Greedy and stingy, nothing comes back to you. Money takes a one-way trip away from you. Give and more comes. Hoard and nothing stays. That's just the bottom line here. God's principles don't get any simpler than that. Don't get any easier to understand than Proverbs eleven twenty five. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. And that's from the living translation of the Bible. I like, I like different translations of the Bible. But the King James Version says this way, the liberal soul shall be made fat. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. I told you already, when you put something on the wheel, it goes around and it comes back to you. It's this merry-go-round effect. So giving must be a part of your financial plan. Listen to what Jesus himself says about giving in Luke 6.38. And again, this is from the uh, Living Translation. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured in your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Put a lot on that wheel, a lot will come back around to you. Put little on that wheel, little will come back around to you. But whatever you put on that wheel, something's going to come back to you. Something is going to come back to you. The Proverbs promise it. Jesus promises it. And that's good enough for me. And then there's the encouraging word in 2 Corinthians 9 and 7. I'm going to, I'm going to paraphrase this a little bit. Every one of us must make up our minds how we're going to give. We should not give grudgingly. Don't give out of guilt. Don't give out of coercion. And don't even give out of duty. God loves a cheerful giver. What kind of giver does God love? God loves a cheerful giver. If I can put this in terms that we can understand and we can grasp a hold of, there's something about a cheerful giver that gives God a rush of joy. A cheerful giver excites God. A person who knows that things would not be like they are, wouldn't be as well as they are. A person who knows that things would be a lot different, as different as night and day if God had not stepped into their lives. A person who's filled with that type of gratitude, that gratitude shows up in their giving. That person becomes a cheerful giver and that's the type of giver who excites God. And what's more than that, this is the type of giver that God will never turn away from. This is the type of giver that God will never remove his hands from, that God will never let go of. So listen, it's laid out plainly in God's word. You will be blessed in multiple ways when you become a giver. And you will lose in multiple ways when you're stingy and greedy. Listen, all I'm saying is you can put yourself on a road to fulfillment, blessings, prosperity. You can put yourself on a road to a good life when you faithfully, consistently give. And then there is the issue of tithing. <laughs> there is the issue of tithing. Uh, you, you, you should not be surprised when a preacher talks about giving and includes tithing. 
I'm a tither. I teach tithing. I believe in tithing. I will continue to teach tithing. I will not engage in the debate of whether or not tithing is for today. If you don't want to tithe, do not tithe, but do not challenge me or ask me to defend why I tithe. I believe in tithing. And if you listen to me, you're going to hear me support and perpetuate tithing. Listen, I remember 30-something years ago when my wife and I were in the military. We were stationed in San Diego, high cost of living even back then. And uh, in the military, every now and then, your pay can get messed up. And my pay got messed up, and I got a couple of no-pay dues. That's a payday when you don't get any pay. We call it no-pay dues. My wife and I, with our children, we ran out of money very quickly. Uh, I went to Navy Relief for some financial assistance. Navy Relief is an organization that coexists with the military and it comes through for military people when they're in dire financial straits. So I had financial need and I went to Navy Relief for some assistance. And the lady told me to write down a budget. I wrote down my budget. And when she looked at my budget, she, she pointed her finger towards some money and said, look at there, there's a good amount of money right there. She pointed to amount of money and said something like, there's some money you can use. But she didn't know that she was pointing to my tithes. And she didn't know how my wife and I felt and thought about the tithe. When she said she couldn't help us as long as that money was there, I kindly gathered my belongings. I kindly put my papers together. I got up from that seat and I left her office. Because I refuse to use our tithes for anything but tithes. We had run out of food. We were running low and didn't know how we were going to pay the rent. All our money was spent and all everything like the song says. But we refused to stop giving our tithe. We continued to tithe. And to make that long story short, God came through for us in a spirit spectacular way. As a matter of fact, God came through for us in a way of by uh, having someone give us a whole freezer full of food and we ended up eating better than we usually do when we had money coming in our paycheck. The tithe is 10% of your income, but it's so much more than that. Remember way back when I talked about wisdom key number six and wisdom key number six says determined to honor God. And Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says to honor God with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. He will take it from there. Well, the tithe is one of the best examples of generous giving in order to honor God. Let me say that again. If you want to know whether or not a person honors God? One good way to show that you truly, tangibly honor God is giving tithe from your heart. And offerings. I'm just talking about the tithe right now. So the tithe is one of the best examples of giving generously to honor God. I want you to get that right there. Last week I told you that John D. Rockefeller, uh, John D. Rockefeller, who is just about the richest man the United States has ever seen, he was a tither. As a matter of fact, John D. Rockefeller died a lot of years ago, and his family is still living off of money that he generated. John D. Rockefeller said, I have tithed every dollar God has entrusted to me, and I want to say if I had not tithed the first dollar I made, I would not have tithed the first million dollars I made. 
So if you do have an inkling to tithe, don't wait until you get some money. Because if you get money, if you're not tithing when you broke, if you're not tithing with little money, you're not going to tithe when you get a lot of money. This ultra wealthy man was a tither. Did you hear what Rockefeller said? Rockefeller said, I've tithed on every dollar God has entrusted to me. And that reminds me of you, me telling you a couple of weeks ago, one of our other wisdom keys, consider yourself a steward and not an owner. A steward is entrusted with the owner's good. And the steward is responsible to care for the owner's good and return the owner's goods back to the owner in bigger and better shape than what the owner originally entrusted into his hands. And believe you me, the owner is going to call the steward into accountability. Rockefeller even understood that God had entrusted great finances to him, and he was determined to tithe. This ultra-wealthy man was a tither. Now, I don't know if God received his gift or if he was in good with God. I don't know if he was saved, all that kind of stuff. What I'm saying is that this man thought it right to recognize God in his life by giving generously. If you don't recognize God by giving, I don't know if you really know God. So yes, I'm espousing tithing. I will teach tithing. I will encourage tithing. This is not a lesson on tithing. I'm just giving you another wisdom key. And wisdom key here, uh, uh, the wisdom key number 13 is be a giver. Be a giver. Be a giver. Be a giver. I can't say it enough. And I think it's very fitting that the last wisdom key that I would give you in this series is be a giver. Give to help the poor the needy. Give to charity, give to church, give to good causes. Sometimes I just up and give because uh, there's a good cause. I received a letter from disabled veterans. Man, that story touched my heart. I just up and gave. And oh my goodness, who can watch the St. Jude Children's Hospital commercial without almost crying? Uh, uh, <laughs> that, that, that commercial just pulls on your heartstrings. But I just gave because it did exactly that. It pulled on my heartstrings. People in less fortunate conditions and positions than you ought to stir up compassion in you and make you want to give something. You don't know God well if you're not a giver. Wisdom Key 13. You have to become a giver if you expect God to be involved in your finances at all. You have to become a giver. Even the richest man in the world, John D. Rockefeller, knew that God had entrusted him with money. And John D. Rockefeller was determined to tithe. What does that say to you and to me? You know, I've listened to Dave Ramsey for a lot of years. And he has a few quotes that I often use in my financial teachings and classes and, and when I'm speaking to others. One of those quotes is, if you would live like nobody else now, you would live like nobody else later. But then he adds on to that. If you will give like nobody else now, you will give like nobody else later. 
And Dave Ramsey is one of the very few people who speak and teach on finances and includes the giving element as a target in planning and as a steward of the life God has given to us. Giving has to be a target of your financial planning. And giving has to be in your finances or your financial execution because of the life that God has given to us. You got to be a giver. Can't stress it enough. Start giving when you don't have much. Because when your money grows, when your money grows, your giving is going to grow with it. You're going to impact somebody else's life. And it's a blessing to be able to give to others in their time of need. It truly is. So, in the words of the hymn we used to sing in church when I was growing up, most of you know it, uh, goes something like this. You can't beat God giving no matter how you try. The more you give, the more he gives to you. So just keep on giving because it's really true. You can't beat God giving. Hey, listen, I'm just about out of time here. Well, I am out of time. I appreciate you joining me here on this episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. Again, as a reminder, if you want to hear this one or any other uh, of our broadcasts or programs, you can go to any podcast player. You can go to iTunes. You can search C.D. Hodges, The C.D. Hodges. Search C.D. Hodges and you'll find Marriage and Family Clinic there. I appreciate you. Hey, don't forget, send me an email at cdhodges at hotmail.com. Let me know you're hearing us. Let me know we're doing something for you. Let me know if we're wasting your time. Inbox me on Facebook. Look up Bishop Carl Hodges. Inbox me on Facebook. Let me know if you hear us. Let me know if we're doing you any good. We've got to get out of here. Remember, you can't have peace.